Morning, everybody. Well, so, uh, hello, am I in there? Oh, okay, there I am. So if you have something to share with the entire class, now's the time. Bring your notes up front. I'll read them for everybody. I got my uh, got my hype man back here. Uh, Steve said he came to hear some wisdom, but he showed up kind of early, so he's got to listen to me. Uh, God, this morning we just thank you for your word, uh, for your goodness to us. And God, what we pray this morning is that you would speak to us, God, that you would fill us up with your word. God, with who you are, with what you are. God, that you would organize my thoughts, God, and that you would say what you want to say. God, that our hearts would be open to receive everything that you have to say to us, God, that you would plant it inside of us, and that you would cause it to grow. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's go over to Romans 6. While you're turning there, I want to tell you a story. Now, before I tell you this story, I do want to uh, ask you all to bear in mind that this was over 20 years ago, but uh, you'll see why in just a moment. So, in the summer of 97, Mike and Dennis and I decided that it was time for the iconic post-high school road trip. You know, we're vaguely old enough to drive and have and you know, go places on our own. So, we did. And uh, this was in the days before everybody had a mobile phone. And uh, so, before we left, we, we all bought these prepaid phone cards. Who remembers those things? And uh, I had just found Cynthia. So, I was kind of, we're, we're driving along, driving through Illinois. It's a beautiful, sunny day. And I'm I'm sitting in the back seat, like sighing over these pictures of her that she sent with me, for the the interminable like three or four days that we were going to be apart. And um, so I'm, I'm sitting back there, you know, dreaming. And uh, Dennis is driving the car, and uh, I'm not sure how this began, but uh, but Mike and Dennis were having some kind of war over the console that had something involved where Mike was trying to saw Dennis's arm off at the elbow with that prepaid phone card. Um, and so, as you might imagine, he was driving with one hand now, and we have the cruise on, going 70 down the road, and, uh, you know, we all kind of became, you know, embroiled in this mortal struggle that was going on. And uh, uh, so, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking, you know, like like mentally taking sides, you know, it's like who's going to win this thing and uh, where should I put my money? And uh, and it, I, I kid you not, it was like a TV show. We all looked up at the same time and we were in the median in the grass with the crew still on. <laughs> and uh, again, like a, you know, I don't know. 
if, if they were going to make a movie of it, they probably should have got Keanu Reeves to play one of us because we all looked at him like, ah! And so then this whips us back onto the highway. The cruise is still on. And we come up, like, flying up out of the medium and onto the pavement. Uh, but now we're, like, kind of heading for the grass the other way. So, so he whips it back the other way. And the whole time, he's just got this hand up like this. You know, he's still driving with one hand. And, uh, um, you know, and so, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's like, it's fine, it's fine, I got this, it's fine. And, you know, Mike's got one hand on the dash, and he's, he's like, slow it down, slow it down. We're, we still have the cruise on. <laughs> and I, I, I'm in the back, like, braced for impact. I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like, I'm going to die in the middle of nowhere. I'm never going to see Cynthia again. And um, I'm like, oh, man. So we go back into the median again. Only this time there's a bridge coming. Uh, you know, the little like little square thing with the black and yellow stripes on it that's like, hey, there's a bridge here, stupid. And uh, DJ whips us back up onto the highway again. And he's trying to keep us from going off into the, onto the shoulder. And we are fishtailing and it's on dry pavement on like this nice sunny day. Cruise is still on. <laughs> eventually, eventually he had the presence of mind to tap the brakes um, and kind of got it under control. And we were all just driving like ashen face down the road in silence for a while. And then kind of that like that moment of terror past where it's like, we're going to live, you know, we're all kind of, <laughs> you know, and uh, so, so that's my story. And the reason I wanted to tell you that story, you're welcome, Mike, is because um, part of the drama of that story was all of the overcorrecting that Dennis did trying to get us on the road again and going in a straight line with uh, not sliding around. And so there's this thing that happens in Christianity where uh, we we either, because there, there, you want to be kind of going down the middle of the road, right? It's a narrow road. So you don't, you don't want to be off in the shoulder. You don't want to be off in the median, especially. And uh, although I don't think there's any traffic coming from the other direction. On the narrow road, but <laughs> thanks, Bill. Um, but we have this tendency to be—it's all one or the other, you know. It's all—you um, know—I gotta pull myself up by my bootstraps and do this. And if you don't have any bootstraps, too bad for you. Or it's all—you can kind of do whatever you like. And God's a friendly grandpa that winks at everything and says, "Boys will be boys." And the truth is somewhere in the middle. And so uh, so I wanted to go to Romans 6 because, because we don't have time to read 5, 6, 7, and 8. Um, and uh, he, you know, he talks about this sense of how we, we all are born with the sinful nature. And so it's there. And... And, you know, God bless America. You know, we have this idea that it's not my fault. It was just there. It's, it's, it came up that way. And, 
and you know, I was I was born this way. And there's this whole ridiculous movement, of course, that you're all aware of, and the LGBTQXYZ, whatever they are, movement that oh, I was just I was born this way. I saw some stupid thing in the news about some woman that had a gender reveal for her like adolescent son because he decided that he was a woman or vice versa or whatever it was. And I thought, are you serious? You know, but uh, so we are, in fact, born with this this nature that we've inherited from Adam. And uh, it's just human nature to want to blame shift and to not want to take responsibility for things. And, uh, and so it's easy to think, well... I just I kind of ended up this way. Nobody's perfect, and so we'll just kind of have to just let it ride. And you know, God understands, and and all that. And uh, uh, you know, and then at the same time, we have this this idea that um, I'm going to have to do this, and and I'm going to have to do everything just so. And uh, and really, you know, toe the line because that's what's going to make the pearly gates swing open when I get there. You know, and we talked a few weeks ago. You might remember somebody was reminding me of this the other day about how uh, we talked about does God expect obedience or is God going to get the stuff done in our life? The answer is yes. So. This is that same idea. Cindy hates it when I answer her either-or questions with yes. But but sometimes that is the right answer. So uh, so here in Romans six, he's talking about this this sense that um, that that by one man's disobedience many were made sinners by one man's obedience many were made righteous and in 520 he says where sin abounded grace did much more abound and that's one of those things that if you cherry pick it you could take that and run with it and be I'm making grace you know and and live whatever hellion type of lifestyle you want to but uh, and so obviously that's what he's, uh, Paul is combating here. And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You know, he said that if you love me, keep my commandments. So it's like if I, so there's the sense of do I, do I obey God because because if I don't, he's going to smack me down, or do I obey him because I love him? And, of course, it's because I love him. But there is that fear of God that, that would the church uh, really must come back to that says, actually, there is the, the smackdown thing that happens if I don't obey him. If, if you weren't here Wednesday night, you missed out on a hair-raising message about that very thing because... The church has taken grace and cheapened it. And that's why I was thinking about the sense of overcorrection. Because we, we think, well, um, 
if it's not if it's not by law, if it's not by obedience, if it's not by my actions, if it's if if my salvation is all on grace, then it doesn't really matter, does it? And I can just swing clear over to the left. And yes, I use left on purpose. And uh, they they we can't do that. You know, we we can't afford to fall into this this place of of cold, intolerant legalism where it's like you're gonna you're gonna do it right and. By God, that's how this was going to work. But we also can't abdicate our responsibility to obey God because uh, everything that God has, has laid out for us involves choice. And and so he gives us this choice to, here, here's what I want you to do. Are you, and so you can obey it or, or not. But if, if, if you... If you actually consider the or not option, then he's not your Lord. Because you don't really get a choice in the matter whether or not you're going to obey him if he's your Lord. If, you know, if he's your friend, you could. Uh, Mike makes suggestions to me that I, I think, eh, no. Um, but uh, there are things that God expects out of our life and one of those things is obedience so so he says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid for how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So he spent quite a bit of time in chapter 5 Establishing, yes, you were born into this sinful nature that you got from Adam. But if I could borrow a verse from from Romans chapter 8, he says you don't owe your flesh anything. Uh, and and uh, in fact, I'm going to read that right quick. I'm just going to cherry pick it out of here if I could. Uh, in verse 12, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And... I think you could say that a little more plainly by saying you're not a debtor to the flesh. To You don't have to do the things you want. You, you don't have to obey your flesh. And it feels like you do. Your, your flesh is like an insistent toddler. That it's like, it's like, mummy, mummy, mummy. And every mother in this place is getting ready to kill me, so I'm going to stop now. But... But your your flesh's insistence on getting its way is like that, right. and um, and the reason that the insistent toddler does that is because he knows if he harps on you long enough and wears you down, he will get what he wants. He will get the cookie, and but he does. And you, as as the nice responsible mother, knows well. You already had three cookies. You don't need another cookie. I'll never forget the time that uh, 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 this three-year-old wanted a Twinkie. And I was like a teenager. So 
I'm, I'm hanging out with these people, and it's like, hey, it's like, hey, he wants a Twinkie, and they tear this Twinkie in half and give him half a Twinkie, and I, I thought, the injustice, half a Twinkie, what? Cruel. And and clearly the the three year old felt the same way because he said, I didn't want to be tearing half. And I, and I mean, for years I thought, give the kid the Twinkie, you know, and then and then I had kids, and I thought, well. He's not going to finish the Twinkie. It's good, but he ain't going to finish it. Or he didn't need that much sugar. Mom can't take me him having that much sugar. So there, you know, there's reasons to not give them the whole Twinkie. But our flesh makes us feel like you owe me. Like I need this. Like I got to have it. I can't live without it. Our our, our flesh is like this little addict. That's like I got I got to have my fix. I got to have my Twinkie. You know. Got to have my coffee or got to have my bag of Doritos, whatever it is. But but he's establishing here in Romans 6, he's like, yes, you inherited that flesh nature. It's a very real thing. And, and the desires that it harangues you for are, are natural. But you don't have to do it. Yeah. You don't owe your flesh uh, any kind of fealty because it's dead. And so he's, because in verse 6 he says, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we would not serve sin. For he that is dead, freed from sin. So there, there are things even that, that your flesh will demand from you that, that aren't sin, precisely. Um, and and there's, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. Uh, God said that uh, that He gives us all things richly to enjoy. Uh, however, the the importance of moderation is that you don't set your flesh up to be uh, accustomed to getting whatever it wants in whatever quantities it wants whenever it wants it. And uh, I should have my mirror right here. But uh, the thing is, is uh, even if it's not something that's sinful, you uh, if you always give your flesh what it wants, then your flesh gets that idea that I should always get what I want. And then when it's something that you really better not give it to get into your flesh, it's that much more difficult to tell it no. Because it's like, but but I really wanted that. And then they turn into uh, they turn into Gollum when he realizes he's not going to get the ring from Sam and Frodo, and he's. Ugh. At least mine does. So in verse 8, he says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's interesting that sense of reckoning. And I think this is one of those things that as Christians we, we wrestle with a lot because we're reckoning ourselves dead. And we don't use the word reckon very often anymore. You know, you, you know, look it up on Google and we'll have that like use through time and it just goes down. Okay. You know, I mean, back in the day, it's like, you know, hey, y'all reckon we can get this done today? You know, we, we don't talk like that anymore. Uh, but if you reckon something, that's your... your 
you're saying this is how this I figured this is how I figure this works. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. The first example that popped to my mind was on uh, Hacksaw Ridge when there it's all like cloudy and smoky and everything. And there's all these bullets flying around, and there's one of the American soldiers is out there in the middle of kind of this no man's land, and Doss, the the medic with no weapon, says, "I figure if they can't see us, we they or if we can't see them, they can't see us neither." You know, and which I love his English, but you know that's um, that's reckoning. I you know he could have said, "I reckon that if they can't see us, we can't see them, they can't see us neither." So. So that's what he's saying here. Like, reckon yourself dead. It's hard to reckon yourself dead when you get up and and your 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 body is like screaming at you. Give me coffee. Give me more sleep. Give me something hot and greasy. You know. And you're driving past the arches and you're thinking of a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle. You already have coffee because good lord, no. And. <laughs> No one's going to drink that dirty, burnt brown stuff they serve at McDonald's. No one that truly has the spirit of Christ in them. (laughs) And while your coffee should be hot, it should not be actually still boiling when they put it in your cup. I like back in the old days when they used to boil up a pot of coffee. See, another, see, what have we done to language? Nobody like uses this great stuff anymore. Anyway, where was so reckoning yourself dead? So you have to suppose then. You have to if you if you reckon something is a certain way, then you're going to have to base your actions on that reckoning, on that assumption. It's like so then. Well, if my flesh is dead, then this desire that is it's haranguing me for really doesn't matter because it's you, you could almost if you wanted to get really like you know philosophical you could be like you know this, it's it's even imaginary because my flesh is dead. Um, but then again, we wrestle with is my flesh really dead? Like I you know I'm. Uh, my bladder was letting me know that it was alive and well about halfway here. And I thought, oh, man. So it's like, okay, but you know, if, if I was dead, I wouldn't need to pee, would I? Well, yeah, probably still will. So, so he's talking more. He's not saying your body is literally dead. He's saying reckon your, your carnal nature as dead. It has no pull on you. So he says, uh, likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. And I like that, because he says, let it not. So, uh, I, was, I was talking with someone recently, and they were talking about someone that was, they were afraid that they were going to be bound by by something simply by being around it it's like well not if you don't let it like you would have to let it find you and you know samson let himself be bound over and over and over again and and eventually he let himself get bound one time too many 
and uh, and gave up his consecration. But the thing the thing about the thing about the devil, the thing about sin, the thing about your your flesh and its desires is, is it it comes at you all big and hairy and covered in like you know armor, and it's like you know got a big club and a jutting jaw. It's like you know. And it, and it just wants to intimidate you into giving up, giving it up. It's like, well, I, yeah, oh, okay, you know. And uh, the thing is, is you don't have to, because he's outside the gate. He's outside the city. You can, you know, um, you know, if if you're up on the wall, and he's down there. You know he can he can make all the threatening noises and taunts and and say anything he wants, but he's outside the wall. He's down there, and you're inside the wall, and you're protected, and you don't have to do the whatever thing it is that he he wants you to do. When I was in high school, um, uh, I had this this old car that um, it. Uh, you would have to nearly flood it just to get it to start, and then you would have to like sit there and floor it while you were still in park to kind of burn some of that up. Otherwise, it wouldn't drive; it would want to die. And uh, you know, I, I went to a small high school, you know, quasi-rural type of town, and you know, there was lots of rednecks that drove big trucks that liked to sit in the parking lot and be like, <laughs> because I mean. You know, I'm sure every woman in this place, you know, just want to kick your heels off and run over there because they they could move their foot on their gas pedal. I mean, I, I know that's hot, but <laughs> sorry, but you know, so I was obviously not that type of person, but I would have to do that with my car because otherwise I couldn't leave. And so there was this this one particular troglodyte that, <laughs> that he just he just he always had it in for me and and so I'm, I'm out here I mean I'm just I mean I'm revving this thing it had a V8 in it and it was like and I'm just kind of like god I hope nobody's paying any attention to me this is ridiculous and here comes this guy his name's John and uh, uh, incidentally his dad was one of the local police but um, he uh He's all like, you know, mocking me through the windshield, like, yeah, rev it up, man. And so I, I told him that, that he was number one, because I was a heathen at the time. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like, you know, hey, it's like, hey, we're, you know, we're just, we're communicating here. So here's the funny thing, though. I'm in my car, right? You know, and he comes, so, and he's walking along, and he comes over there. He just starts walking over there. Apparently, he didn't like being told that he was number one. And so I just, I, and as he's walking over to the car, click, lock my car, doors while I'm looking at him. And he comes over and he's just jerking on the handle and he's like, open this door. And I was like, like, you seriously? I mean, and that's what the devil does, right? It's like, open the door. It's like, art, Really? You, you seriously think I'm going to open the door so you can pummel me? No. You know, I was like, okay, but the, but that's but that's what that, that's what the enemy does to us. Is he is he comes at you, and he can't get your door open. 
He's just going to scrabble on the thing and make you nervous. And He's going to demand that you open the door. You don't have to open the door. You know? Um, your, your flesh and your, you know, your precious will stand out there like, so cold. And, and, and it's like, please open the door. Please. You know? And, and he's like, nah. And you're just sitting there like, ah, so warm. You know? And, and you just leave precious out to dry. Or freeze. Or whatever. So he says, let not sin reign in your mortal body, but you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield them to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. So he says, and this is something that I... I, I really wrestled with when I was when I was really young, and, and 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 I think we all still wrestle with this from time to time. He says, essentially, that you can yield to righteousness just as easily as you could yield to unrighteousness. And I think the the younger you are in the Lord, the harder that is to do because your flesh is still so big, and your spirit is still so small, and you think, well, but and it, because it feels like this big hulking thing, it's like. Like you know, baby, want my thing, and and okay, 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 just don't don't throw a fit. But as we grow in Christ, it's like actually I could yield to righteousness just as easily and say, well, no, eh. It's like actually we're gonna we're gonna do this, and and I like that. you know, as I like I like how he says, "Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace." So, so he's saying, "Yes, this this you know this grace that that God has provided." It's you know we we think sometimes of grace as just this in this very narrow sphere of this thing of you know God loves me and has forgiven me and in, in, in spite of me being a a, a big weasel and. That is grace. It's like, well, yes, but also uh, everything that he does in our life is grace. Every everything that he he that he does, that uh, every unmerited gift and every favor that he does in your life is grace. And so, and so he's he he gives you grace. Annie Johnson Flint did this really great uh, poem, and I wish I had it memorized. But but it talks about, uh, it's called He Giveth More Grace, and you should check it out. So he says here in verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. It's like, well, if, you know, if, if I'm not under the law, then I can kind of do whatever, right? So I, I love how he just keeps taking all of these, okay, now you're going to tell me this. So it's like, I know what you're thinking, and then, and then he pounds that thing next. He says, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. And, and this goes back to what I was talking about earlier about, about the moderation and stuff. He says, know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And so that, that's why I said that the more, the more you just let your flesh do what it wants to do, even if it's, if it's something harmless, uh, it's not that you 
can't enjoy yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't, you know, don't go to the Super Bowl or watch the Super Bowl at your friend's house and eat like an entire bag of pizza rolls. You could do that now and then. But uh, I did that. But um, <laughs> but if you do that all the time, then then you know your flesh is like, well, I I, I always get my way. You know, we we have this great Barbie movie. Uh, we don't, the kids haven't wanted to watch it in quite a while. It's a shame. But um, there the the villain is this little girl, and she's like this evil spoiled brat of a princess. And she, of course, being a Barbie movie, it's a musical. And she sings the song, I want it all. I want it now. Don't tell me no. Just tell me how. You see the crown? Means bow down. I want it now. And I was like, man, what a great song. It's like I'm looking at my children like. So, and then, of course, throughout the movie, everything that doesn't go her way she throws this humongous fit. And, of course, because she's the princess and she has magic and all this stuff, then she gets her way. But, um, but what he's saying here is you don't have to obey your flesh. You don't have to obey the devil. You don't have to obey anything but God. Uh, in fact, uh, Paul routinely referred to himself as, as the, the slave of Christ. And so if you're a slave, you really don't have much say in the matter about whether or not you're going to do what you're told. You're just going to do it. And, and so he says that whoever you yield yourself servant to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness so so like I said you know I, I wanted to tell that that story about overcorrecting because we have this tendency to um, to, to look at it as either this is all on me to do this right or I have absolutely no responsibility in the matter, and God's going to do all of it. And, and the truth is really somewhere in between, because you have a choice to make every day. You have a choice to make, uh, sometimes moment by moment, you have to continually choose the things of God. You have to continually choose the Spirit and, and deny the flesh. And, and it, it, there are days it will wear you down. And, and you will just want to go lay down and put the blankets over your head and and go to sleep. But um, we we have to understand that that obedience to God doesn't mean that it you know because we think of it like, well I'm just going to have to grit my teeth and put my head down and just do this thing that God's wanting me to do. Uh, whereas actually, when you when you just spend time with God, and when you just you you just follow Him, you know. I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, "I just want to be a Christian. I'm not. I don't want to be some great thing. I just want to be a Christian." I was like, "I thought, yeah, right, because that's where everything else comes from. Because anything that God does in your life grows out of the fruit of that." And um, when God wants you to do something something that you're going to have to obey, a lot of times it's going to seem like such a great idea 
and it's going to feel like it was your idea, and and uh, and and love mitigates the the cost of doing something that you otherwise would not want to do. Yesterday, Cynthia was getting around to to go to the funeral, and I was sitting in my recliner in my pajamas, just could like barely live. You know, I was just I was just clinging to life. Just felt so. Oh. And she's upstairs, and because it's the 21st century, she texts me from upstairs. <laughs> Can you make me a sandwich that I, for the road? Because she's Cynthia, so she was running late. And <laughs> and uh, so I texted her back this little bitmoji of me like laying down that said, too tired. <laughs> because honestly, I got this text and I thought, It's like, I just, I, nope, can't do it. It's like, nothing doing. I thought, and then I sent her another one, like, just kidding, okay. So I get up and I make this sandwich, and I'm like, ah, saved her 30 seconds. <laughs> yes! And, uh, and it cost me like a minute of misery, but I saved her 30 seconds. And I was blessed because I love her. And so, as, as much as I did not want to uproot myself from my chair and get out of my warm, fuzzy blankie, I, I got up and I went in there and I made her sandwich. And it was not the end of the world because I loved her. You know? And uh, you know, we, were, we were talking about something just the other day. It was like, hey, you know, next Wednesday, our 20th anniversary. And, and I was like, hey, we're, you know, here we are, like, you know, 20 some years later, we're still working on stuff. And, and, uh, I stole this great line from Mark Rutland that I'm going to throw at you that, uh, that she's given me 20 great years. And somewhere in there, I've given her at least a couple of good months. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, all right. God, we just, we thank you for your word. And what we pray is that you would put in us um, the the very things that you would have, God, that you would bring us to this place of reckoning our flesh dead, God, to uh, to grow into this place of continuously choosing you, uh, God, to to not allow ourselves to be snowed or to be bullied by the the uh, the desires of the flesh, by the the uh, the um, the attacks of Satan, God, that, that you would do in us as only you can do. God, that we would come into that place of continually choosing you, God, and that we would grow in you in that way. And God, I just I pray that you would do these things in every single one of us. And God, that you would uh, accomplish in us exactly what you want. God, that you would get us safely to the end of the road. God, as, as much as we want to succeed in you, God, you want us to succeed even more so because you paid such a dreadful price for us to get there. And God, we just we thank you for that. We thank you that we're all on the same team. God, and that, that we're on your team. And God, we just we pray that you would do in us as only you can. God, in this place today that you would meet every need. God, that you would speak to every heart. God, and refresh us uh, with the, the presence of your spirit. God, we just we pray it in your righteous name. Amen. Amen.